This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Now, from BetQL, it's time for the Daily Tip with Michael Jenkins. Dang it, he's talented. And let's be honest, I go for ambition, not luck. And Chelsea Messenger. Don't kill the messenger, or the messenger will kill you. Hey, Dad, don't forget about me, the dunkster. Presented by BetMGM. And here we go on a Monday. It is a daily tip for BetQL presented by BetMGM. Coming up on this edition, oh, it is Super Bowl week, so we will get you ready for the big game on Saturday. First, we'll take a look at Sunday's NBA action before getting into the Super Bowl at 620. And if we've seen any line movement over the weekend between the Chiefs and the Niners at 640. What we learned in college hoops with Duke and Carolina squaring off as well. Then during the 7 o'clock hour, we will play MVP Monday and go over some of the more interesting headlines we saw, including... Bill Belichick sending a message to Patriots fans you might want to hear. And finally, during the 8 o'clock hour, a peek at today's schedule in the association while seeing if the Darkster can keep rolling with his best bets. Chelsea, good Monday morning to you. First of all, how are you feeling? Because I know you were struggling last week and you had a weekend to recover. Yeah, I'm feeling a little better. Uh, I'm definitely on the come up. But did anybody else feel incredibly empty without football on on Sunday? I woke up on Sunday morning. I was like, oh, my God, what am I going to do today? Like, I'm not feverishly putting in bets on Sunday morning. I'm not, you know, watching all the pregame shows. It felt very odd. I had, like, you know, this time thing. I was like, oh, my God, football season over. Like, what am I going to do on Sundays? Did you have this feeling? I honestly did not. I did for a while. Well, no, I mean, I did, but I didn't where I've sort of accepted now that we've had a couple weeks or without tons of, I mean, yes, we've had playoff games, but on a full slate. So I think I prepared myself mentally for this moment for the past three weeks. Like after college football season ended, I was like, you need to start accepting the fact that you're not going to get football real soon. Like you'll get some playoff games and then you get the Super Bowl and then it's done. So it, Yes, a little bit different, but also I was preparing for this moment. So mentally, I was ready to wake up and say, you need to find something else to do with your time today. Yeah, because I knew it was coming, obviously, but it was different than like previous weeks because at least we would have one game to look forward to. You're right. like, oh, well, you know, I have all day Sunday to get my stuff done. Then we have like the Sunday afternoon game. So it was just weird. Uh, I think it's going to take some getting used to, but that is the time of year that we are in. It is college hoop season, and also, you know, the NBA is going as well. So that or, you know, finding your show on Netflix, you best find a hobby because football's almost over. That's what we did last night. We were looking through Netflix. We're looking at Max. Ugh. 
digging down to the deep deep end of the barrel what can we find here we're going to every single streaming service finding some stuff we can start watching now on weekends and so i was not going to watch the pro bowl yesterday the skills competitions we can talk about that we will talk about that later on in the show but yeah that's exactly what we did which was say what can we start streaming is there something we want to watch now we can spend more time doing so we're already in that mode, even though we still have one big game to get to. And, of course, we'll talk about the Super Bowl as well. Before we did that, let's recap our bets on Friday, Chelsea. Tell me more. <sighs> well, last week was the story was losing bets by like a point. And that was huh. the case on Friday. Had uh, Quinnipiac minus six and a half, and they only won by six. That was two bets last week that kind of went that way. So the week could have been a lot better if I would have had, you know, the ball bouncing my way a little bit more. But that's how it goes sometimes in basketball. Yeah, that's the way it goes. I took an out on Friday. Come on. I had enough unders hit during the week. I was due for one to get blasted. And it wasn't terrible, but didn't work out. Blazers Nuggets under 221. The Nuggets win 120-108. So that was an L for me. Break up the donkster, by the way. This guy has been in his dark room in our studios while we work out some technical issues, and he's been in there all week by himself, and he has been on an absolute heater. Had Magic plus 7.5 against the Timberwolves. Magic win outright, 108-106. So for the week, Chelsea, you went 3-4. and four, I went 4-3, and three, but I'm bearing the lead because the Donkster went 8-1 and one last week. Unbelievable tied for the most wins he's ever had during – one week on the show, so just maybe he can keep it going. Let's talk about NBA Sunday first and get you started off with some basketball. And we begin in L.A. where the Clippers beat the Heat, 103.95. The Clippers laying five points. Clippers minus 205 on the money line. Total set at 223. Kawhi Leonard, 25 points. James Harden, 25. 11 assists, eight rebounds. And the Clippers just keep on rolling. This game was in Miami, I should say. They end their road trip tonight against the Hawks, but they improved to 5-1 and one on the road trip. More impressively, Chelsea, they have won 25 of their last 30 games. That is the best in the NBA since December 1st. So no one playing as good as the Clippers are right now. Right, and we've seen it uh, shift in the futures market because I feel like a while back the Clippers were pretty far down the leaderboard when it came to odds to win a title. Now they're in fourth right now, sitting at seven to one mind, just the Celtics, Nuggets, and Bucks. So here's the question. Do you think there's still value on betting the Clippers to win the NBA Finals, or do you think we kind of missed the boat there when it comes to value? I think there's still probably some value there. We definitely missed the boat because they've been doing this for a while. When you've won 25 of 30, I feel like for the past two weeks, we've been saying, now is the time for the Clippers. Now is the time for the Clippers. Time to bet the Clippers. And so you can still get more value relative to the other teams above them, which aren't many at this point. But I will say yes to your point. We definitely had a better window, a larger window there with better value and Maybe some people took advantage of it. I did not, unfortunately. Right. And I think uh, the impressive part of this recent stretch is that they've been doing this on the road because mm -hmm. this was the stretch where we were going to find out how the Clippers do on the road because this is when the Grammys are popping off. So they didn't have their home court for quite some time. But look at them. Like you said, 5-1 and one on this road trip currently. And they only have one game left. It's today. And it's at the Hawks. 
So nice little road trip, and that was a tough stretch for him. Yeah, good win for the Clippers. Again, Jimmy Butler leads away for Miami with 21. Terry Rozier with 17, though, in fairness to the Heat, they played without Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson. Hero was supposed to play, but there was a late scratch right before the game. Happens all the time in the NBA, so you always have to be careful when looking at one side or the other. Here in D.C., the Suns just all over the Wizards in Bradley Beal's return, 140-112. to 112. The Suns laying 11.5 points. The Suns minus 600 on the money line at MGM. You're over under set at 240 and a hook. The over hits. I mentioned Bradley Beal. 43 points overall, including 26 in the first half. KD with 14. Yusuf Nurkic with 14 as well. The Suns, as a team, shoot 61% from the field. Bill going 16 of 21 all by himself. And after the game, he said simply, I know this gym a little bit. A little bit. So, obviously, he was comfortable. And, you know, whenever you have a player, a star player, return to a place where he played previously. Previously, We saw this with Kevin Durant last week going back to Brooklyn. It seems like the Suns made sure he got plenty of shots, plenty of chances to make some sort of statement, and he did. Yeah, he probably would have dropped 50 if he wouldn't have been taken out of this game early because the yeah. game was so lopsided that he didn't even play the whole time. So even more impressive that he dropped 44 in this game. But again, if you were putting up these massive numbers against like the Wizards, the Hawks, the Pistons, or maybe the Blazers. Like, those are the teams that I'm saying, okay, yes, this is a great night, but, again, you're doing against one of the worst defenses in the entire NBA. But regardless, the Suns on a nice little stretch here. Uh, they've won, I believe, three of their last four games. And, you know, a team that looks like they're starting to come together. And a lot of it just was Bradley Beal wasn't playing, and he mm -hmm. was injured. And a lot of time, that is the story for teams with multiple superstars. You just have to have them all on the court at the same time. Like availability, you know, is the best thing for these guys. So uh, nice to see Bradley Beal doing it because this man is a walking bucket when he is healthy. And that's what we saw. You know, the Suns are very similar to the Clippers in this way, right? Where they have this quote unquote big three which is sort of overused now because so many teams have had a big three that they've tried to make work out. And now that they're healthy, they're winning games. Same thing with LA. So I'll pose this question to you that you just posed me about the Clippers, which is, are you a believer in the Suns, which you can get better value on an NBA future for Phoenix than you can LA. But are you a believer in the Suns? Not playing as well as the Clippers, but certainly much better than they were early in the season now that everyone's at full strength. I'm not so sure because it's still a team that doesn't have a ton of depth. And that's kind of what you need to win an NBA finals. And let's do a quick reminder. It is only February the 5th. So we still have plenty of regular season left in the NBA. And also once the postseason starts, that is a long, grueling mini season that these teams absolutely have to take on. So I'm not completely sold on the Suns, especially when we have two other powerhouse teams out in the West right now. The Clippers looking amazing. And the Nuggets, of course, your reigning, defending NBA champion. So it's just hard to come out of the West. Yeah, certainly is. Denny Avita, if you're keeping pace with the Wizards, leads away with 24 in D.C. Let's go to Toronto with the Thunder. Rally to beat the Raptors, 135-127. Toronto getting nine points. The Thunder minus 365 on the money line. Total set at 237 and a hook. At bet of GM, the over hits. At one point, Oklahoma City was down in this game 23 
points. They rallied behind 24 from Josh Giddy, 23 points, 14 assists from SGA to get the dub. And in doing so, they tie a team record with 23 three-point shots on 63 attempts. The Thunder just keep playing good basketball. I know we talk about them on the show. I think in the grand scheme of things, people don't mention the Thunder when they talk about the great teams in the NBA, but they're going to have to start paying attention. Thunder now 35-13 on the season. Right, and anytime you have a double overtime game, you kind of look and see if either of these teams are playing today. Guess what? The Raptors play. I don't think that's a team that I will be backing today. Fresh off a very exhausting game, although they are getting 11.5 on the road of the Pelicans. So how much will you will you just fade them? Or do you take, do you say, look, you guys have to be exhausted. The other side is definitely the play. The problem is the Thunder or Raptors, depending on who you're looking at, Thunder are very good against the number. The Raptors are not against the number. So if you're playing one of those teams, for example, do you just fade the team coming off a double overtime experience based on exhaustion? No, you're always playing the number. Like I said, they're getting 11 and a half. So automatically I don't say, okay, whatever the number is, I'm fading them. I am saying that that is probably built into the number. That's why the number is so high. Uh, but again, double overtime, that's a lot. And especially when you already had a back-to-back on the schedule. Yeah, no question about it. If you're keeping track of the Rookie of the Year race, Chet Holmgren, nice game for the Thunder as well. He scores 22 points, grabs five rebounds, and racks up four assists. We talk about it all the time in this show, that Rookie of the Year market. It's essentially a two-man race. Chess or Chet and Wimby back and forth, back and forth, depending on how each of those guys performs. Finally, in Salt Lake City, the Jazz down the Bucks, 123-108. The Jazz laying three points. The Jazz minus 145 on the money line. Total set at 247 and the under hits. Utah down by 12. Entering the fourth quarter, they outscored the Bucks 40-13 in that period, led by Lori Markkinen's 21. Keontae George coming off the bench. He drops 19, and they allow Milwaukee only four baskets over the final 12 minutes of this game. So a combination of good defense and the Bucks going cold and the Jazz with a huge win. They have been monsters at home against the number, I believe, the best team in the NBA covering this spread when playing at home. Meanwhile, Doc Rivers, what, one and three now mm-hmm. with the Milwaukee Bucks? It is a tough start for a team that clearly – has already hit the panic button. I don't know if it was just because they didn't like, you know, the other guy, but still, this is not the start that they had envisioned with Doc Rivers. Still, you know, I guess it's only a four-game sample size, but ugh. Yeah, it's not great. Now, to be fair to the Bucs, they played without Chris Middleton and without Brooke Lopez. Those are two starters there. So a loss is still a loss, but also – I think we have to give him a little bit longer leash and say, look, it takes time to get in, implement your system. And then also, I want to see what you can do with a full strength, like everyone in your roster playing the way that you want to play. And so I'm like you, not a great start. I I sort of expected Doc to come in and just start crushing it. But he does does need to get in there and have a little time to work with that lineup. Also, what's crazy, though, is Bill just mentioned this in the chat, is that he's coaching – the Eastern Conference are coaching the all-star team. What are the all-star teams? I know they do it now where are they going back to conferences this year? Are they still doing the draft? Okay. They are going back to conferences. So doc, guess what? He's the Eastern conference head coach. They're not going to do like team LeBron and team KD anymore. I had forgotten about that switch. Oh yes. Because coaching is so important Uh, in the NBA all-star game. You know, he's been going to be coaching up the defense. 
Just kidding. There is no defense in the all-star game. So it feels like more of just a guy that is the face and, you know, has such a long resume that they're like, here you go. You can be coach of the Eastern Conference All-Stars. Oh, guy coaches one game. Guess what? You're going to the All-Star game, Doc. Way to go. Coming up next here on the show, the numbers have stayed the same for the Super Bowl. What have our opinions started to change after a weekend of thinking about the game, especially with Chelsea yesterday. Chelsea, you had no football. All you could do is think about the Super Bowl. What's next? What prop bets are I going to make? Am I going to go to a Super Bowl party? We'll talk about that and a whole lot more. It is coming up next on the Daily Tip. Rebecca you presented by BetMGM. Stay right there. Chelsea and Jenks will be right back on the Daily Tip presented by BetMGM. On the BetQL Network. Welcome back to the Daily Tip presented by BetMGM. With Michael Jenkins and Chelsea Messenger on the BetQL Network. And we are off and rolling. It is a Monday. February the 5th, and of course, the big game unfolds this weekend between the Chiefs and the 49ers, and it's a little bit of deja vu, because we know the Chiefs and the Niners have already played in a Super Bowl in this decade, or I guess it's this decade, maybe it's this century, I don't know, I need to brush up on my terminology for years, but one thing is for sure, I feel like we're going to get a good game. And the spread would be indicative of that. The line still stands at Chiefs plus two. Niners, of course, the favorites in this game. And the total remaining secure at 47 and a half. So, Jenks, let me ask you. Do you think we're going to see some line movement throughout the week? Or do you think this is the number that's going to stand until the Super Bowl? I think we're going to see what we saw last week, which is... I think we might see a little bit of movement. Then I think as soon as we see that movement, it'll go back to two. I could be wrong. This is just pure speculation on my part. But as soon as we saw any sort of movement, didn't it go to, it went to Niners minus one and a half for just a little bit, for like a hot second, and then boom, it went back to two. And it's it's a dead number, which is sort of interesting anyway. Two is nothing, right? It's just kind of sitting there in the ether. So I don't think we'll see much, but then again, There's also that possibility, as you know, that the closer we get to game time, then people really start coming in. I think the public probably comes in even more closer to game time. So if we're going to see some, I think we'll see it more towards the end of the week. I'm trying to remember. I don't think we saw line movement last year, did we? Despite like a large influx of bets on the Eagles? No, not a whole lot. It was pretty, it was just kind of, same thing as this year, just kind of sitting there. And so I, I want to ask you, because this is, this is what I keep coming up with when I think about this game. And I was thinking about how I was going to bet it over the weekend and what I'm going to bet. And I don't necessarily, I don't necessarily think I'm going to actually bet it unless I have a stronger opinion. But last year, it was very similar, I feel like, where going into the playoffs, everyone was on the Eagles because the Eagles looked like such a juggernaut last year. And I understand that. And then you know how it goes. You see, and now I see everyone on the Chiefs or the majority of people on the Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes in the points, Patrick Mahomes in the points. I get that. And yet that line's just sitting there. And that's what worried me last year. If I hear everyone on the Eagles, why is that line just kind of sitting there? 
and not seeing the movement that you would think we would see with the majority of opinion on one side or the other. And so it's really not – when I make the case for this game, I tend to make the case for the Chiefs more so than I can for the Niners, but then the number is the number. Does that influence you at all? Because that's the one thing that's holding me back. No, just because it's sitting in the dead zone. If it was mm-hmm. at three, my you know opinion might be different. But I think a lot of us learned our lesson last year. And we're talking about similarities between this year and last year. Uh, I went against the Chiefs last year, and I said, mm-hmm. okay, Patrick Mahomes getting points, but you know the Eagles are the better overall team. How did that turn out? Patrick Mahomes getting points. It's getting to the point where I think this is the tough part when you are in our line of work. If you have a side and that side loses, can you look in the mirror and say, okay, all the things I saw before the game or what I saw, I feel 100% confident in this bet. Because if you go against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs again <laughs> – after the Super Bowl, are you looking in the mirror and saying, Chelsea, Patrick Mahomes is the best football player on the face of planet Earth. He is 10-1-1 against the spread. What are you doing betting against him? So I think that goes into it as well. Oh, yeah. I think people are afraid to go against a – and and not just a narrative. It's truth, right? The numbers are the numbers. Right. So Patrick Mahomes has been incredible against the number as a dog. So I, I completely understand that. But also at the same time, he has lost a Super Bowl before. And I, I'm, I'm trying to make the case for the Niners. I, I, I agree with you. I, I think the Chiefs are probably where I'm going to go here. But I also think at the same time that if this were two or three weeks ago, we might all be on the Niners. And things can change when you have a couple of weeks to prepare. I get it. Mahomes and the Chiefs have been awesome. I did not think they would get this far. I thought Buffalo would beat them. I thought the Ravens would beat them. I, I really did. And so full credit to Kansas City and Mahomes. They have been unbelievable. I also think that now we've gone, we've switched, we've switched how we're thinking about a potential matchup like this. It's gone from, yeah, the Chiefs receivers are dropping passes. They're not the offense. They have been in the past. They have to go on the road. And oh, the Niners are a juggernaut. The Niners have an incredible defense. They have so many playmakers. Rob Purdy is playing at a high level. And now in just two weeks, all I'm hearing is, which is justified, you don't bet against Patrick Mahomes in the points. You don't bet against Patrick Mahomes in the points. You know, the Niners' defense doesn't look as good as it did. The Niners' defense doesn't look nearly as good. They had to come back in both games. All those things are true. But things have shifted dramatically in the way people, I think, would have viewed this matchup from from just two weeks ago. So I think that's part of it as well. What are we going to see in this game? Will we see a continuation of what we've seen in the past couple weeks? Or will we see some sort of reversion to what we saw during the regular season? And that's a real fascinating question to me. Well, the thing is, it's not just the Patrick Mahomes angle. There are other great things about this Kansas City team that almost reminds me of the year that Tom Brady won the Super Bowl with the Tampa Bay Bucks, Because, mm-hmm. you know, every simpleton in America was saying, okay, you don't get bet against Tom Brady, especially getting points. But remember, that was a great defense as well. And that's kind of yeah. how Kansas City has been winning football games. Last week was not, you know, a scoring fest. What did they win, like 17 to 10 or something? It mm-hmm. has not been the electric, high-powered offense that has to score 35. This is a team that has a really good defense. This is probably one of the better defenses that Patrick Mahomes has had behind him in Kansas City. So I feel like a lot of the pressure isn't even on Patrick Mahomes. And for somebody who only has to really manage a game, you know, in the second half of 
you know, some of these contests because, you know, you jump out to an early lead. Your defense is really good at holding strong in the second half. That's why we have seen the Chiefs Mm -hmm. be blazing hot to the second half under. I think it's just a tough spot to go against Patrick Mahomes because it's not just him. It's the overall team as well. Like of these two defenses, hasn't the Chiefs defense looked better than the 49ers? In the playoffs, yes, which is to my point. That's like, yes, all season the, they've been good. They've, well, yes, they have been good. But I'm saying this idea that suddenly the Chiefs' defense is so much better. The Niners have been absolute animals during the regular season. So I, that's my whole point. Which is, yes, the Chiefs' defense has been awesome, and we've talked about how the 49ers' defense has taken a step back. But during the regular season, the Niners' defense was unbelievable. So mm, I, Chiefs had the second, gave up the second fewest yards, right behind the Ravens. Are the Niners a top five defense? Yes. Uh, according to that metric, no. But well, yes, if we want I to would pick agree out with individual you. metrics, sure. But I'm saying if we're talking about overall defense, these are two top five defenses. There's no question about it. Yes, but I'm saying right. this wasn't a new thing that the Chiefs defense has been good. They've been good all right. season long. Correct. But I'm saying if you're talking about just a defense, like the Chiefs have a great defense, I'm like, yes. And so do the Niners. The Niners also have a top five defense. The Chiefs have had a great defense all year long, but it's the the idea that we've seen this Niners defense, that's why I keep going back to the regular season, like the Niners have struggled to come back and haven't looked like the defense we saw during the regular season. But the idea the Chiefs defense has looked awesome, the Niners are not some afterthought on no. defense. Right, they're right there together. So I'm, I'm just saying, yes, the Chiefs defense has been amazing, but also so has the Niners defense. These are two incredible defenses, which maybe means you take a look at the under here. So when I look at San Francisco, if you're trying to make a case for the Niners, they also have a fantastic defense. And also they have a ton of playmakers on offense. I would say more playmakers than the Chiefs do. Now the Chiefs have the best quarterback on the planet, but I'm, I'm not of the belief that, all the Chiefs have to do is rely on their defense, and they just win. Because I think the Niners' defense, again, this is going back to the regular season. All I'm hearing now is about the last two weeks, and that matters. But so does what we saw during the year. Because at some point, we will see some characteristics from both sides start to show themselves during the Super Bowl. What I'm saying is the Chiefs were the better defense during the regular season, and they've been the better defense during the postseason. Mm. So, like... What's what's where's the lie? Where's the lie? What I'm saying, I think you're I think you're putting too much onus on last two weeks. Yes, during the regular season, the Chiefs were number two in points per game. San Francisco was number three. So okay. this is my okay. I'm not, I mean, they're essentially equal or close to it. The Chiefs have had the better defense in the postseason. But my point is, people are acting like, oh my God, the Chiefs' defense is so much better. I'm like, yes, they they have looked better over the past two weeks. But if someone wants to go back and say, well, look at the regular season, it's like, okay, they're number two and number three. So the difference between two and three is, is, is pretty small. So again, yes, the Chiefs have looked better defensively during the playoffs, but we're tossing the Niners aside like they don't have a comparable defense just based on two weeks. And based on what I saw during the regular season, both of these defenses are exceptional. I'm not tossing them aside. I'm just saying I think the Chiefs is the better defense. Like, if they're better in the regular season, if they're better in the postseason, mm, feels like maybe. a better defense to me. 
I mean, I feel like that's splitting hairs. I feel like when you're talking about two and three, I'm not going to say, oh, the Chiefs, okay, fine. The Chiefs are better because they were two and San Francisco was three. Like, that means nothing to me. That's like saying this 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 defense is number 14 and this defense is number 15. I was like, all right, well, they're so they're very, very, very similar, right? They're right there in the so same So the postseason area. doesn't count at all? Like, no, that's, that's the thing. Recent, recent stretch matters because if the recent stretch didn't matter – the Chiefs wouldn't be in the Super Bowl because look at their offense over the recent stretch. Right. If you look to the regular season numbers for the Chiefs, they don't belong here. But there is a case for a team that's you know been good during the regular season because recent stretch matters too. Right, but that is my entire point, which is we will maybe and very likely, I think, possibly see some sort of regression or positive regression from what we saw during the regular season. Like there's abs, based on what we saw, we're... I would say just not act like the regular season doesn't count. If you're asking me which I'm defense not. is – No, no, no. I'm just saying if you're telling me like, hey, the Chiefs have been a better defense during the postseason, a thousand percent. But I'm also not of the belief that the only way I'm going to handicap this game is just look at two weeks of play where the Chiefs have been the better defense and all of a sudden the Niners are just some rando defense. Because if we're going to do that, then all of a sudden what does the regular season matter? Like, it does matter. It may not matter if you're also taking the postseason into effect. You want to combine both. But I, I, I would think it would not be the smartest thing to do if you're just going to look at two weeks of numbers and say the regular season doesn't matter. I don't think that's the case. I'm not. So, yeah, so I just I, – I believe the Chiefs' defense has been better. But I also don't believe that they're markedly better than the 49ers just because the Niners have struggled over two weeks. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying if you're saying like, okay, this side has the advantage on this factor. I'm not saying the Niners have the advantage in the defense. Right. Like maybe it's a coin flip, but I'm not saying that the Niners have the advantage because over the last few weeks, they have looked bad. They have not looked good. Right. They gave up a lot of yards to the Lions. So I don't think they have the advantage there is all that I am saying. Now, I, I would put it to you this way. It's like the, the Chiefs receivers – have stepped up and looked really, really good over the past couple of weeks. They Travis awesome. Kelsey has stepped up. Including Travis Kelsey. Well, the other receivers have had less drops. So across the board, even the metrics will tell you they've had less drops. They've done a better job, including Travis Kelsey. But also two weeks ago or three weeks ago, one thing you would say about the Chiefs is, hey, are there receivers going to come through? Like, are we going to see some critical drops in big moments? So – are we sure we're not going to see that in the Super Bowl? We may not. Maybe they'll continue what we've done seeing over the past two weeks, or maybe we'll see some sort of regression based on what we saw during the regular season where this was a consistent problem. So we may not, but I'm not going to rule out things that we saw during the regular season and act like they just won't happen again when you have such a huge sample size compared to two weeks. Okay, so if we're not ruling out things that we saw in the regular season, right. what about Brock Purdy against good defenses? Could Brock Purdy was not good against the Ravens. Yeah, absolutely. It could happen. He also faced some very good defenses and won, but he struggled against Baltimore that was playing unbelievably. So if you're factoring that into your handicap, absolutely a part of what you should look at as well. If you're backing the Niners, you have to decide whether or not you're going to trust Brock Purdy because you'll trust Patrick Mahomes. I trust Patrick Mahomes. Comparing the two, of course, it's Mahomes. There's a ton of pressure on Purdy in this game. So I think that's also a fair statement. Brock Purdy has been brilliant in the playoffs, but also during the regular season, he did struggle at times against very good defenses. So that's something you have to look at as well. That's why I'm not just going to look at Brock Purdy over two weeks and say, oh, 
He's been awesome. He's going to continue to be awesome. Maybe. Why? What? I wasn't doing that. Like the it's Chiefs not, were a good defense all season right? long. I'm not just looking at two weeks. Right. I'm just making the point in general. This is not directed towards you. I'm saying uh, in general, okay. if you're gotcha. going to, if you're going to factor into this game, do yourself a favor. Look at the past two weeks and also look at what we saw during the regular season. It works for both sides. If you think the Chiefs defense is awesome, they're so much better than the 49ers. Maybe, but the Niners are great during the regular season. Right. Well, I'm just saying if you are, but also if you're saying that Brock Purdy has been amazing over the past two weeks, he's unbelievable. Yes, he has. But also there were times he struggled during the regular season. So the broader point is just base your handicap on everything you've seen and just not what you've seen recently. Because if you get caught up in that, your handicap could be wrong, regardless of what side that you're on. Coming up next here on the show, what we saw this weekend in college basketball, including the Devils and the Tar Heels getting after it in Chapel Hill. That is on the Daily Tip from BetQL, presented by BetMGM. Chelsea and Jenks will be right back on the Daily Tip, presented by BetMGM. On the BetQL Network. Let's get back to the Daily Tip with Chelsea Messenger and Michael Jenkins, presented by BetMGM. On the BetQL Network. Welcome back on a Monday. It is a Daily Tip for BetQL, presented by BetMGM. She is Chelsea Messenger. I'm Michael Jenkins. Coming up, the Jayhawks make a statement in Lawrence. Well, Chelsea, you don't have football to watch. How much basketball did you watch on Saturday? I watch more basketball, college basketball, than I have watched in a long, long time. And I have to say, it was nice. Even the lovely Catherine placed her first ever bet on a basketball game. Or actually, in, was it her first ever bet ever? It might have been. We went to a, a place here in D.C. called Over Under, which is a sports betting bar above a strip club. And then we watched... The Gators and Aggies. We watched Carolina and Duke. What other game was going on that after? There's a few games going on. We had Houston and Kansas on. That game wasn't really close. So what did you do? Did you watch a ton of college basketball on Saturday? I did. It was nice. We watched Carolina Duke. And Mm. here's the thing. When you hate both schools, it's hard to know who you're going to be rooting for. Although, for the love of God... Armando Baycott feels like he's been in college basketball for like 15 years. Mm -hmm. And I know this is starting to be actually not really a rarity in college hoops, but my God, like, of course, he's great in the paint and great at mastering these moves because he's been there forever. So I am ready for him to be out of college basketball. But he had a great game uh, as Carolina upended Duke on Saturday night. So what do you do when you're watching a game where – both teams that you can't stand are playing. Do you just hope for some sort of water disaster inside the arena and the game gets delayed and no one takes the court? What do you do? Well, unfortunately, since Carolina and Duke are both very good at basketball, I've had to learn to live with it because we've seen a final four game between these two in recent history. So I think it depends on like the personality of the team that year. Like the year that it was like Coach K's retirement tour, I was kind of rooting against it. I was like, all right, we've heard enough about Coach K. I'm fine with Carolina beating them in the final four. But now it's like, okay, I've heard enough of Armando Baycott. So uh, maybe I'll be rooting for Duke a little bit more this year. Although Carolina, 
they looked a lot better. And granted, it was a home game, yeah. and that was a tough environment for Duke to play at, but uh, I don't think I will be rooting for them regardless. Either team, but of course, when they're facing each other, I guess I have to pick a side. Well, let me ask you this, and I think I know the answer here. Do you watch The Bear? Do you know what I'm talking about? I bet you don't. I know what it is, but I have not watched it. Oh, I don't okay. watch many shows. And what well, is that are, on? Is it I on think Hulu? it's on Max. I think it's on. Oh, maybe. Um, no, it is Hulu. It's Max or Hulu. I don't have Hulu. I think it's Hulu. I think it's Hulu. No, the reason why I ask is that, and this is not giving anything away, but, or it's FX. Good Lord. <laughs> oh, okay. It's Hulu. So, yeah, as, as part of the last season, they showcase Coach K's book like one of his motivational books that he wrote. Mm -hmm. And as someone who is not a Duke fan, I'm like, I'm so tired of seeing this book. Can we please continue with this, with this show without seeing coach Kane? Like I got, I got away from sports to watch this, this great series that has been put together, which is the bear is awesome by the way. And I don't need to see coach K's face anywhere else, especially when I'm trying to get away from sports inescapable so that drove me crazy so that's why i was asking i thought i would love to see your reaction if you're watching the bear and then all of a sudden coach k popped up like i don't know well here's the funny thing i have read coach k's books beyond what? basketball i believe is the name of it i remember it i had the paperback version and it was like orange surrounded by like a picture of him cutting down the net or something mm -hmm. and it's funny because whenever i go to my mom's house she has that in the bathroom for like bathroom reading <laughs> along with like the Berenstein Bears and all these like really old books. So I see it all the time because here's the thing. I feel like even if you don't like somebody, say like even a character in history, you can okay. still learn a lot from like the wisdom that they have because I'm not going to sit here and say that Coach K doesn't have anything that I can learn from him because I'm sure. And a lot of it was quote unquote beyond basketball. So it was like these principles of success that you can take from his basketball career that you can apply to your everyday life. So even though I hate Duke, I'm not above learning things from one of the best college basketball coaches in history. The only thing Coach K taught me was how to hate and how to really lean into my hate. So if I were in your mom's bathroom and I had a choice between Coach K's book and the Berenstein Bears, guess which one I'm picking up? The Berenstein Bears. That's when a bear is smart, when a bear is clever, he never gives up and I won't ever come on 10 seconds. And I just learned not to give up and to keep fighting for things from the Berenstein bears. So forget it, coach K I'm not watching. I'm just going to be bitter and angry the entire time. Let's get into college basketball. What we saw on Saturday, Chelsea starting in Lawrence were number eight, Kansas downs, Houston, 78, 65 was a pick Kansas minus 110 on the money line. Yeah. Game went off. Right there, I believe. And we thought Kansas was what? Going to be laying some points there? No. A Beckham, total set at 136 and a hook. The Jayhawks score the most points on Houston this season. Hunter Dickinson with 28 boards. Kevin McCuller and Johnny Furphy each drop 17. And the Jayhawks come out red hot in this one. They hit nine of their first 10 shots against a team that leads the nation in field goal defense. They led by as many as 20 in the second half, and the Cougars got no closer than 10. I really thought we might see a back-and-forth game, but that's just not what happened. Remember when mid-major Matt came on on Friday, and we were asking him about Houston. 
And he said the limitation of this team is their offense. And if they're in a high-scoring affair, you know, if the defense fails them or they're just playing an offense that's really good, it's a team that sometimes struggles to put up the offensive numbers. And, you know, I definitely listen to what he says, but Kimpom had this game as Houston winning by five. And what a flip of that result. And obviously Kimpom is not always right, but I also mm-hmm. think this goes to show how much home court advantage matters. And it was reflected in the betting line because although the Kimpom line was like around five Houston winning, this game was closer to a pick So now Kansas uh, still remains undefeated at home. Their only loss is coming on the road this year. So, Jenks, when you see a team that is just so staunch and so stingy mm-hmm. at home, how does this translate to March Madness? Because obviously it's not the same thing, but if you do get one of those top seeds, you'll be playing closer to home. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And, and also, when you're closer to home, like a lot of it has to do with the fans that attend, right? When you have a, a mm-hmm. rabid fan base like KU fans have. Like Duke, you, this used – we were talking about Duke. We'll talk about Duke and UNC mm-hmm. in a second, right? But this used to happen with Duke all the time, right? Where they would get the number one seed and they'd play in Greensboro. It's like, well, why don't you just give them a home game? Why don't you, why don't you just put this right there in Duro if, if you're going to put them that close? So you make a good point, which is, yeah, it may not be at, you know, may not be right there at Allen Fieldhouse, but it could be close enough where it's essentially a home court advantage. So I think it depends on geography and the fans that you have and whether or not KU fans are going to travel. And if they don't have to travel far, then yeah, I think that has something to do with it. Although I will say the arenas used, like maybe not the ones in like the first few rounds, but at Mm -hmm. least in the later rounds, they are such big venues that I feel like it's not the same atmosphere. Like some of those ones where they have it, like uh, the football field where it's just these massive arenas it is such a different feeling than, say, playing at Duke, which is like mm-hmm. the most cramped place you'll ever, you know, see. I've never been to, uh, I've never been to to Kansas. I've been to Kansas, the state of Kansas, but mm-hmm. I have never been to KU. Have you been there? Have you been to their basketball place? No, I haven't. Hmm. I mean, I would imagine it's a great place to watch basketball. You would assume, but I don't know if it's cavernous yeah. or, or or smaller. I don't like, know the like... personality of it. Yeah. Well, Bill is saying, and he knows a lot of college basketball because he does play-by-play for George Mason. If Kansas gets a number one seed, they would probably be in Omaha for the first two rounds. So, yeah, when you're talking about Kansas being really good at home, Omaha is obviously not Lawrence, but they would be right there. We were talking about Duke, number three, North Carolina, beats number seven Duke over the weekend, 93-84. UNC was laying five. They were minus 240 on the money line of Adam GM. Total set at 154, the overhits. You were talking about Armando Baycott. He goes off in this one. 25 points, 10 boards, hands out five assists. Harrison Ingram, 21 points, 13 rebounds. R.J. Davis, with 17 and North Carolina now has a two game lead. I believe in the ACC, they are 10 and one on the season. And when it was over, Baycott told reporters, quote, the ACC runs through me. Oh, All right. God. <laughs> All right. So you've been on one episode of outer banks and you think you're this superstar, by the way, have you seen that episode? Armando Baycott guest starring on outer banks, no. which Man, the acting there is not the greatest, but it's like a teen soap drama. So, you know, what do you expect? I think he plays a bouncer, though. So, like, he's not, you know, doing something that's way out of character. He's like a bouncer or something. 
Uh, I think I've seen like the scene. I haven't seen like the whole season, but I have seen that. But going back to Carolina, of course, this is a home game. This is a rivalry matchup. So we knew Carolina was going to be out for, you know, blue blood in this one and not Carolina blue, but Duke blue. Uh, The other X factor here was Harrison Ingram. My goodness, from three, every time they needed a clutch basket, it was Harrison Ingram from the three-point line. So when you have that combo of a guard that's, you know, feeling himself from beyond the the arc, and then down low you have Armando Baycott sweeping up the rebounds and dominating the paint, it is a very tough combo to stop. And Duke learned that the hard way. They certainly did. Finally, in the SEC, number five, Tennessee, whips Kentucky. Number 10, Kentucky, 102-92. Tennessee getting a point. Tennessee plus 110 on the money line. Total set at 159. The over hits. Sky Ziegler, 26 points, 13 assists. Josiah Jordan-James scores 26 as well. And the Vols shoot 49% from the field, improved to 6-2 and two in the SEC, while the Cats lose two straight for the first time all season. Chelsea, what was your takeaway here watching the Vols go into Lexington and get a win after watching Kentucky lose a tough overtime game to the Gators last week. I think it was impressive that Tennessee scored over 100 because we know the calling card of Tennessee over the past couple of years has been their defense. And this year with Dalton Connect really going off in most of these games, it wasn't even him. You know, it was the other guys. And you've got to remember that Tennessee did not have Zakai Ziegler in the NCAA tournament last year. So that is a big ad, you know, for a team that has the all of the pieces to go deep in March. Well, that's a good point. Coming up next here on the show, we're going to cast our votes and tell you who won the weekend when we play MVP Monday. We have a ton of basketball stars vying for the title. She's Chelsea Messenger. I'm Michael Jenkins. It is a daily tip for BetQL. Presented by BetMGM. For more, listen to The Daily Tip presented by BetMGM. Weekday mornings from 6 to 9 Eastern on the BetQL Network, the Odyssey app, or wherever you get your podcasts.